Greetings and welcome to Shnayim Mikra, the wonderful new series sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org, in which we study, analyze, and discuss one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. We're studying Parashat Chukat. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and I'm thrilled to be studying with you. And we're now on the sixth and penultimate aliyah of the parasha, continuing to follow the travels of B'nai Yisrael through the east bank of the Jordan, eventually moving up north to where they will, by the end of our parsha, come to the place which will be their final launching spot from where to cross into the land. <clears throat> We're in Perak Chaf Aleph Pasuk Yod, chapter 21, verse 10. And as with most of the Aliyot in this parasha, it's a relatively small Aliyah. And as with all of the Aliyot in this parasha, it is jam-packed, filled with in- in- interesting information. Vaisu B'nei Yisrael v'echanu be'ovot. B'nei Yisrael traveled from from Horahar, where they had been, they continue traveling, and they get to Ovot. Ovot. They go from there. Now, E is a desolate place. There's a desolate place on the other side, as it were. Bamibar, Ashar Pe Moab. So they're now facing Moab. Remember, we've already had an interaction with Edom to the south. Now, moving further north, the next group is Moab, Mimizrach Hashamish, east of Moab. Misham Nasau, they traveled from there. And Nachal Zered is a wadi that goes <clears throat> off of Nachal Anon and goes east-west, um, basically from the Dead Sea out. And so they camped right at the Nachal. Misham Nassau, Ve'achanu me'ever Arnon. They camped on the other side of the Arnon. Now the Arnon wadi is a wadi that goes, I'm sorry, Zered is a little bit south of it. The Arnon wadi goes into the Dead Sea and uh, pretty much at Petra and cuts, cuts east-west. So they camped on the other side of the Arnon, which is the boundary of the Emory land. What Emory land? We find out soon that while B'nai Yisrael were in Egypt and in the desert, a group of Emorim from Canaan crossed the border, went to war against both Ammon and Moab, and conquered some of their lands so that the very valuable uh, western strip of the Transjordan, which is just east of the Jordan River, was held by these kings, chiefly Sihon. So we're coming near their border. Ki Arnon gvul Moab ben Moab ben Amori. The Arnon is the boundary between Moab and the Amori. Now, from here to the end of the alley, you have something of poetry and very mystifying. Al ye Amar. Therefore it is said in the book of the wars of the Lord, which according to some is a reference to some other book in Tanakh, perhaps Devarim, and according to others, chiefly the Ibn Ezra, means there was a book called the book of the wars of the Lord. They kept a record of all the wars through their travels, and we don't have the book anymore. What does it say in this book? Et vahev besufa ve'et hanechalim arnon. There's also to midrashim on et vahev, to people who hit up in the mountains, what it may mean, but that they were they were given from Suf, from Yam Suf, and the Nechalim are known, meaning that miracles happened here as they happened in Yam Suf. Continuing on, the Eshed HaNechalim, Eshed is the, cl- the cliffs, cliffs of the of the wadis, Ashenatal, Shevet Ar, that, that is uh, situated towards the, the place of Ar, which is a city, and Ish'an Likvul Moab. 
Now, it sounds like this is some sort of a travelogue, and in Sefer Machamot Hashem, it's written in some sort of poetic form, which is hard to follow. So in Bamidbar, we're given a description of where this is. Therefore, it says this there, which refers to these travels. Now, Umisham Be'era. From there, they went to Be'er, to the Be'er. Hiha Be'er, the famous well, Asher Amar Adonai Moshe and Sofetam and Alahemayim. Then Hashem said to Moshe, gather the people and I'll give them water. Is this a reference back to the rock that Moshe hit? Or is this something new? It sounds like it's a new place where Hashem said to Moshe, give them water. And now we have a most um, uh, inscrutable passage. Az Yashir Yisrael, which of course sounds very familiar, Az Yashir Moshe. Az Yashir Yisrael Tashira Hazot. Then they sang the song, Ali Ve'er Enula. Rise up well and respond to it. Be'er Chafaru Asarim. Great leaders have dug this well. Karu Ha'am. The leaders of the people dug it out. Bimchokek B'mish Anotam. They used their stabs to dig it out. And then, Umimibar Matana. It's all very strange, very hard to follow. You go from Mibar to a place called Matana. Umimatana Nachliel. From there to Nachliel. Nachliel Bamot. Where is Bamot? A high place. Umibamot Hagai Asher Bistei Moab. From the high place, you go down to the low place, which is in the field of Moab. Rosh HaPiska, the top of the mountain in Ishkaf al Shimon, from where you could see the entire desolate area. And that's the end of the Aliyah. And it ends with this very bizarre passage, which is very hard to follow. There's a famous, famous drashat about the last uh, few words, last few psukim, last few verses, that matana, if somebody makes himself like a desert, then he receives the gift of Torah, matana, and then God inherits him, nachliel, and then he becomes high, but if he becomes high and haughty, then he's sent down, mibamot hagai, uh, a beautiful little homily, but what do we make of the passage? So there's an interesting historic side. All the Rishonim who attempt this come up with different solutions as to what's going on. Uh, in the mid-1970s, a um, fellow from Switzerland, Yitzhak Lange, published a, a copy from a manuscript of the commentary associ- uh, attributed to Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid of Regensburg uh, on the Torah. It really wasn't a commentary he wrote. It was a commentary that was written by his son. He continues to mention... Mori Avi, almost every paragraph starts with Mem Aleph, and my father, my master, uh, taught this, and uh, what Rabbi Rachasid evidently said in the Beit Midrash. And the commentary was an interesting commentary, and uh, there were several passages in, it, is, passages in it that were very troubling, and there were those who suggested that it is impossible to believe that this is legitimately... Uh, Rabbi Yehuda Chassid's uh, commentary, because there were things in there that really strained credulity because of uh, what sounded like a heresy, and therefore suggested that it might have been a forgery. Uh, whether it is or isn't is not for this forum, but I will tell you what Rabbi Yehuda Chassid said about this, and this was one of the three famous comments that uh, earned such a disapproving approach to the published work, that what happened is, in the later works, the author took those particular three out, and he said, even though I maintain that they're really uh, part of the text, in order to allow people to read the rest of the text without being troubled, I took them out. It didn't help. The book was still in Cherem. In any case, uh, his explanation here is one that really has some support in Chazal, but becomes very difficult just because of the way that we generally approach the text. His claim is as follows. There were 
many songs that were composed, songs of thanksgiving to God, that were composed by Bnei Israel in the desert. And clearly, Chazal say that. They credit some of Hallel, perhaps, to Bnei Israel in the desert, and other songs of Tehillim. They credit Moshe with composing the 11 chapters from Psalm 90 to Psalm 100 inclusive, which would then also be, of course, in the desert. Psalm 90 certainly is Moshe, Tefillah Moshe. Uh, and uh, the, his question is, so why are these things not in the Torah? And then he makes what sounds like an audacious comment. He claims they originally were. And that David HaMelech, when he came along to put together Tehillim, took them from the Torah and put them into Tehillim, almost as if uh, you would have a text that would include a wide range of pieces. And now that you have a specialized prayer text, you take the prayers from that text, and move it over into the prayer compilation, which is how he views Sefer Tehillim. He uh, suggests that Halel Hagadol, chapter 136 in Tehillim, the famous one with the 26 lines, each of which ends, Ki Leolam Chasdo, and which the penultimate verse, which is clearly the key verse in it is, Notein Lechem Chol Basar Ki Leolam Chasdo, he feeds all men our flesh, Ki Leolam Chasdo, he suggests that that's the song that was actually sung here. And he says as follows, that Bnei Yisrael had a tradition that whenever they wanted to praise God, they always did it around a source of water, because a source of water is a source of life. And so then he reads the verse as follows, and Aliva Er Enulah now become part of the background, and then there's the Hodu, which was originally there, and then he says, why was this well chosen for this song? Because it's a great well. It was dug out by very great leaders. And etc. is all part of the description of the well, that this well, its water goes all the way from here to up the hill to down the hill, all the way to the, to the uh, heights from where you could see the Yishimon. In other words, according to the way he's reading it, these verses are not the song. These verses are the explanation for why the song was sung there. And that was left in the text because that's part of the travelogue or the description. But the song itself is the song was taken out. By the way, he takes it a little further. And he says that if you look at chapter 136 and then you look at 135, obviously the one that precedes it, you will notice that 135 is nearly a mirror 136 with the addition of the kings of Canaan. So he said what Yoshua did was, after they came into the land, he simply paraphrased this famous hollow that they had been using, added into it a passage about the kings of Canaan, and it became a Thanksgiving song sung by Joshua's troops. Hundreds of years later, when David conquered Yerushalayim, he added in the last line, which is Shochen Yerushalayim. In any case, a very interesting, certainly off-the-beaten-path approach, whether it is legitimately part of the tradition of the Balei Atosvot and of Rabbi Yehuda Chosid of Regensburg, or whether or not, I'll leave that to uh, to a different form to discuss, but there certainly are enough people, enough people, uh, reliable people, and knowledgeable people who claim that it really is the uh, commentary of Rabbi Yehuda Chosid that certainly has room in this form to be shared. In any case, everyone should have a um, a wonderful day, and we'll pick it up with the final Aliyah in the next podcast. In the meantime, Shalom.